0: Even before COVID, TB is the number one infectious killer of humanity. Thousand deaths per day in India alone because of tuberculosis without COVID.
1: Patients are not getting diagnosed at all. Diagnosis has come to a complete halt.
2: Most of the private doctors, they are not practicing right now.
3: Hello and welcome. I'm Yamini Ayer, and you're listening to Thought Space from the Center for Policy Research. This is part one of our seventh episode on the unfolding coronavirus pandemic in India. Today, we talk about something extremely critical but that has not quite been at the front and center of our discussions on the impact of COVID-19 and more specifically, the 40-day lockdown. The effect of the lockdown and other measures on other infectious diseases, specifically tuberculosis. To understand tuberculosis in India and the impact of policy measures that have been taken in light of COVID-19, we have with us today Dr. Madhukar Pai, professor and director of McGill Global Health Programs and the International TB Center. Madhu is at the forefront of a lot of TB research in India. We also have Nandita Venkatesan, a journalist, TB survivor and TB disability advocate, and Dr. Sartha Krastogi, consultant pulmonologist at the Holy Family Hospital in Mumbai. Co-hosting the show with me is my colleague, Dr. Jishnu Das, visiting fellow at the Center for Policy Research and professor at Georgetown University. Thank you all, and I really appreciate your willingness to be here with us today. Madhu, let me start with you. Many of our listeners are probably quite unaware of just how prevalent TB remains in India today and how much of a killer disease it is. Could I request you to start by just giving us a lay of the land Uh, an understanding of TB prevalence in India before we get into the weeds?
0: Thank you, Yamini. Those of us working on TB for a long time, it's kind of uh, really strange for us to see how much attention and money COVID-19 is getting globally. And we keep wondering why is it that nobody cared about TB for decades, for centuries, despite TB killing millions of people as compared to what COVID is doing? I guess the biggest, uh, easiest way to answer that is that COVID affects the rich and famous, while TB mostly affects the poorest, which is why it has never, ever been a priority for any of the high-burden countries, including India. Now, I want to kind of first tell you the scenario pre-COVID of what TB in India looks like, Because it is in that context we can now compare what COVID is doing or what the post-COVID situation would look like. Even before COVID, TB is the number one infectious killer of humanity, right? 10 million new cases of TB are estimated to occur globally, and about 1.5 million people die every year of tuberculosis globally, and India accounts for a gigantic share of the global TB burden. About a third of all TB cases in, uh, in the world happen in India. And about 25% of all deaths that happen globally happen in India. India has always been the world's highest TB burden country and continues to remain so year after year after year. Even without COVID, 1,000 Indians are estimated to die of TB every day. So think of 1,000 deaths per day in India alone because of tuberculosis without COVID. Now the cascade of care, um, also called continuity of care, was bad for TB in India even before COVID. So if you take somebody with drug sensitive tuberculosis where the antibiotic should work, treatment is six months. Even in drug sensitive TB, only one in two Indians Will complete the entire cycle of being seeking care, getting diagnosed, put on treatment, complete treatment, and have a disease free survival for at least a year. Only one in two Indians are successfully able to navigate this long, tortuous care for drug sensitive TB. Drug resistant TB, it's a disaster, even before COVID. Only one in five to one in 10 patients with drug resistant TB will go through the entire cycle of detection, diagnosis, treatment, and then survival for a year. If this is how bad or fragile the quality of TB care was before COVID, we now need to ask, what has COVID done to destroy the already fragile TB care, cascade of care for patients in India? And that's why it's important that we listen to uh, patients like Nandita, who are in touch with other patients with TB, and providers like Sartak, doctors like Sartak, to understand what is this COVID epidemic doing to TB in India? Are we likely to see an increase in mortality? Are people even getting their medicines on time? What happens to all the new people who are coughing away and have TB but will never get diagnosed until all of this is over? What is the lockdown doing? And the last thing I want to say before we um, hand off to Nandita is that we know this lockdown is hurting the poorest segment of India the most. That is a a, a rock solid fact. Um, Self-isolation is a privilege. It is not for everyone, we know that. It turns out that it is the exact same group that is the most vulnerable to TB. If you look at the data on household income and tuberculosis in India, there's a beautiful correlation that the lowest quintile in the economic category has the highest prevalence of tuberculosis. So it is the same migrants who are now struggling. It's the same daily wage earners who are not able to uh, even get a meal today. That is the exact same group that is also suffering from TB. So the the collision of this most vulnerable group in COVID is also colliding with the most vulnerable group in tuberculosis.
3: Thanks, Madhu, for that very, very important introduction to the challenge of TB in India, which most often escapes public consciousness and rarely makes its way into the mainstream public discourse. And just to put this into perspective for our listeners, Madhu has told us 1,000 people die every day because of TB. We are not at 1,000 deaths over the last 26 days since the lockdown has begun from COVID-19 at all. So the scale of the challenge that we confront uh, and the kind of differential response we've had is something, Madhu, that I hope we can talk about later in this conversation. But right now, I would like us to keep the focus just on understanding the impact of the decisions we have taken on COVID-19 on tuberculosis patients. Uh, So, Nandita, over to you now. Uh, I would really like for you to give our listeners a sense of the kind of uh, difficulties that TB patients are facing uh, currently. If you could just give us an insight into what does it mean To be a TB patient, how often and how frequently do you need access to medical care? Do you need access to medication? And to what extent is this kind of lockdown and the closing off of the health system making it difficult for patients to access care as they need?
1: Just to tell you that I'm a TB survivor myself and I had intestinal TB twice. And I lost my hearing because of the because of an injection and I had to undergo very long period of treatment. I had to undergo multiple surgeries around six, seven surgeries in my intestine. And it was a very long battle against it. And this was all this was before COVID happened. So and I, I could access a hospital. I could actually go. My condition was extremely precarious and I was hospitalized for three months. And I could actually, now that I think that I could actually access a hospital, that itself seems like a privilege to me right now because I have been in touch. I wrote an article in the Economic Times where I work and I've also been in touch with a lot of patients. I spoke to NGOs as well who are working in the space of TB. So, the two things first is that uh, you have a simple tb like dr madhu said is that you finish your treatment in nine months and then you have drug resistant tb which on paper to be very honest it is only on paper that you finish it in 24 months uh, there are patients who who get treated up to three years four years five years of their life can go into dealing with drug resistant tb 24 months, according to me, in my experience of talking has only been something that I see only in research papers and in reality is far more grave uh, because uh, you are constantly, you have to undergo wrong diagnosis or either you are, you know, your diagnosis is delayed or you are put on the wrong combination of medicines and you have to constantly keep tweaking your medicines and all this was happening before this pandemic actually struck. So in from my interactions, what I found was two things. Let me bifurcate this into the impact that is happening on the diagnosis part and then I'll get to the medication part. So in terms of diagnosis, first thing is that patients are not getting diagnosed at all. Diagnosis has come to a complete halt. It's an almost total halt. Uh, Private providers and OPD services are shut. Diagnosis of fresh patients is almost not happening because uh, almost 70% of uh, Indians seek uh, TB care from private providers first. And also among government services, the people I spoke to told me that uh, cities like Mumbai are doing fairly better. but if in the rural areas, for example, I spoke to NGOs in Bihar, etc, they told me that even their uh, public services are not they are seeing very less footfall of patients. This is because transportation has been shut and uh, there is no access to public transportation at all. Even if you say an NGO, for example, operates in say one of the cities, let's say they operate in Patna, for example, a person from Patna may be able to access care easier. But for persons who stay far away from, from cities, main cities, they are the ones who are facing the most problems right now. So fresh fresh diagnosis is not happening at all. Uh, and also gin expert uh, and for DST, the drug susceptibility testing which is a testing by which you, ca- you get to know what combination of medicines has to be given to you this requires your sample to be transported to a lab now with public transportation shut these samples are not getting transported anymore and I was I was speaking to a provider, a treatment provider in Latur and, and to a patient who is in Latur and he told me that uh, many of these samples have a certain shelf life, they are fearing that because the transportation is not happening and samples are not getting transported, the fear is that because these samples may have a certain shelf life, what after that? How are you going to take the fresh samples? What is going to happen? So this was one concern that was told to me, primarily because courier services and transportation services are shut. And in TB diagnosis is like, it is the most important thing. If you don't get diagnosed correctly, you will not be put on the correct medication and that will uh, imperil your chances of recovery. It's especially in drug resistant tuberculosis when mortality rates are already very high. I can give you some statistics. I spoke to one uh, TB activist from Jharkhand and he provided me these statistics uh, from a, a public TB center in Hazari Bagh. and he told me that from in the month of March the, the public TB center at, Haz- at Hazaribagh had transported nearly 127 patient samples. And after the lockdown, it's been just 22, from 127 to 22. That's a huge fall. And in April, they have not transported a single sample. There's been nothing. Until I spoke to him four or five days back, in April, there has been nothing at all. This is what he told me out of those 127 patients they said that he told me that 31 people for example came from other districts because the Hazaribagh district center is an important point for, for people even who come from other districts in april people coming from other districts almost stopped because transportation is not available And uh, what is the fear in many of them, is that they are fearing that, because especially if it is pulmonary tuberculosis, the fear is that family members may end up contracting the illness, especially because pulmonary TB is contagious and it could spread. So because people are in quarantine right now, uh, this has been a big fear. In terms of medication, What I got to know is that NGOs who are closely working with the government in terms of a public-private partnership program that they have, they are being given certain curfew passes, etc. So they are the ones who are doing maximum work to go and give, give medicines to the patients. But there is only so much that these NGOs can do even if they are able to transport the medicines, a big problem here is to take these injections. Now injections across, I got these queries from number of patients that they are not able to take injections because they have to go to the center themselves and someone will have to administer the injection. So there is no one right now over there to administer any injections. So big query that I have been getting personally is that we have we have been forced to stop our injections. What are we going to do? Or just recently, they, around two, three days back, someone told me that he started getting a ringing of the ears, which is the one of the first signs of losing your hearing, as in the injection causes tinnitus. And he was telling me that uh, I'm not able to contact my doctor. What am I supposed to do now? Because uh, I told him that, look, you if you are getting the stenitis, you have to go get your audiometry test done. But he told me that I'm, I don't know, everything is shut. I'm not allowed to even move out. What am I going to do now? Will And uh, I could not answer him when he asked me this question. Uh, Didi, am I going to lose my hearing like you? This was the exact question he asked me in complete fear. I had no answer to this question. Because injections, he needs to access a doctor immediately to uh, for him to change his treatment because the tinnitus has started already for him. So this is a, it's a it's honestly it's a grave situation right now.
3: Nandita, thank you so much. Uh, this has been extremely important for us to hear. Uh, difficult as it is to hear um, right now, so much of the public discourse, mindspace is on the economic impacts of the lockdown and what that's doing for basic food and uh, income security for most of India. And we haven't paid enough attention to what this is doing for such critical health needs that are in fact, perhaps going to push us into a much graver health crisis, one that we didn't need And it's very important for us to understand from the perspective of TB patients, the kinds of difficulties that they are confronting. Uh, Sarthak, can I bring you in to this conversation now uh, to give us the provider perspective? What's happening? How are hospitals thinking about it? How are doctors thinking about it? Uh, Jishnu, did you want to add anything uh, to ask Sarthak before he begins?
4: Let's hear from Sarthak first. Uh, I'd be especially interested, Sarthak, in picking up on something that Nandita said. Tell us a little bit about this multidrug-resistant TB that Nandita talked about. You know, you're one of the leading pulmonologists in Mumbai. Tell us a little bit about that and how the treatment for multidrug-resistant TB has been affected in your practice as well. Thank you. So... Kicking off from the point of view of multi-drug-resistant
2: tuberculosis, as uh, it has been uh, told before, the treatment can vary from two years to maybe uh, in many of the cases it gets extended beyond two years. But uh, right now, a shorter drug regimen of tuberculosis treatment has been initiated and... uh, Many of the patients who have been uh, diagnosed for the first time with multidrug-resistant who have not been exposed to a lot of drugs before, they are able to complete their treatment between 9 months to 11 months. Things were going great as to what we compare to, uh, let's say about 2 years back or 3 years back, bedaquiline in Mumbai is accessible to many of the patients who deserve it, but not to everyone. Uh, And medical is, although I would like to add here, is only restricted to public system on compassionate use basis or in research basis and in uh, in hands of very few private physicians. So uh, from a perspective of private sector doctor, there are more than five big hospitals which have been shut and and put into containment zones. There are more than 10 to 15 nursing homes which are in containment zones and are not operational. Most of the private doctors who used to cater to TB patients, they are not practicing right now. They have kept their shops closed because they fear that they may get a corona infection or a COVID patient will contaminate it and spread it to other uh, other patients as well. Uh, so, system is slightly worrisome. What what's happening with the with the private system right now? To add to the fact that. A multi-drug resistant TB patient in India goes back and forth between different sections of of the system. They usually present to a private doctor, they go to a public health, they go to an alternative specialty. So apart from public health system, most of the system is right now closed. And and, uh, mind you, public system is not the first option for many of the patients. And that is a big problem right now. So my OPDs in, uh, in uh, three hospitals have been shut for almost now four weeks. Many of the hospitals under pressure from government have started their OPDs, and TB is not high on their cards. They are initiating uh, gynec services, pediatric services, surgical, but unfortunately, TB is not. So that is one problem. So patients who were under the process of diagnosis, so drug resistant tuberculosis, the diagnosis also takes a few weeks. So they are in sort of a suspended animation right now. Most of the private doctors, instead of opening uh, their uh, clinics, have found a way of uh, doing it via teleconsults. So the people who have smartphones are, are able to reach their doctors in on, on video consults. But that again is mainly in the big centers but but in even in smaller cities that is not what is happening the other thing when it comes to diagnosis bronchoscopies for patients who are not able to produce sputums they need to undergo a, a endoscopic test the bronchoscopy because of fear of corona are are shut throughout even in public and private system so for a patient who is not able to expect it out who is Suspected to have drug-resistant TB will have to wait, I don't know, indefinitely for the bronchial uh, lavage done. Other thing that is, the patients are really confused between the symptoms of corona and, and tuberculosis. It's mainly coughing and fever. TB is already a stigmatized disease. There's a lot of stigma around corona. So, many of the patients uh, are just not approaching. So... I, every now and then, I get an SMS saying we got your contact for a patient, but we might think it's corona, and and what do we do? So patients are a little confused, and and because of this double edge of stigma, they are not approaching forward. The other thing I can say is, um, people of uh, patients of multi-drug resistant tuberculosis, they suffer through a lot of adverse drug reactions. Now, few of the drug reactions can be managed by uh, smaller doctors, but they need to come down to a specialist. Because of lockdown and because of OPDs under shut, that is not hap- is happening. Even in public health system, people are able to approach their doctors, but there is no access of audiometry anywhere. So even I have a patient uh, with uh, tinnitus and I had to put his injections on hold because I have no way of proving that he is having or what kind of... Uh, uh, hearing loss he's suffering from. So that is another problem. Other problem is, as Nandita has, have, has, has mentioned, that she was suffering from intestinal TB. The diagnosis of extrapulmonary tuberculosis is extremely difficult. It's complex. Sometimes it requires surgeries even and, and different types of CT scans to reach up uh, on a conclusion whether the patient is suffering from tuberculosis or not. That is, again, many of the centers are not performing any surgeries. They're not performing even biopsies. So that's also uh, suspended right now. CT scans, CT scan of the chest, as far as I'm aware, in public health setup, they are not doing CT scan of the chest. They are afraid that patient has approached uh, for corona, and they might have to seal their uh, CT scan department. So many of the public health sectors have just put up a blanket ban of doing a CT chest. So that's another c- critical diagnostic limb for tuberculosis that we need is, is has, has, we have lost it. Apart from that, a uh, few of the patients have told me that they are feeling anxious, They're feeling anxious that they might infect their family members at home. Just to give a perspective to everyone, in India, especially in Mumbai, uh, a low middle income society, uh, housing will be less than 400 square feet with uh, five people stuffed into a room. Uh, In uh, low socioeconomic uh, housing, that'll be, let's say, 100 square feet with seven or eight people inside a house. So distancing is a different thing, but spreading of another infection is 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 one of the major risk factors. Uh, the temperature is increasing and humidity is increasing. That is driving many of our patients mad. So a lot of these people who are having uh, uh, are on ethionamide or on injections, they feel really discomfortable in in uh, in the months of summer and cooped up inside the house. They're feeling that their, their discomfort levels are at an all-time high right now. They are not able to go out for walks or, or do things which used to soothe them. That's that's right. It's the condition for them right now is deplorable right now. The other thing that is worried for most of them because the counseling centers, the counseling which is provided, the counselors are doing only telephonic consultations. They are not having a Face-to-face counseling for most of the patients, and that is, to some extent, is affecting them. The other thing, which is becoming a worry, f- the patients have said, and in, in in the counseling, they get to hear that nutrition is one of the most important things. Right now, because of the financial issues, nutrition or the quality of food that they are going to get, down. So, so they are really worried whether we are taking getting the treatment. Time. We are taking the treatment on time, but we are not able to maintain the level of nutrition, whether it will affect us or not.
4: Dr. Rastogi, help us understand two more things one is so I know that just for our listeners that Mumbai is one of the places where the government has been quite active and and there's a very good t v commissioner there's a there's a good system of wards and and how they're handling things two questions for you. The first question is, has the government been in touch with you uh, about your TB patients and what they can do to help? That's my first question. The second is, we had heard a lot about direct benefit transfers, that was the 500 rupees that was to be given to TB patients. And I can imagine that that money at this stage would be very important. Do you have any information on the DBT and whether patients are continuing to receive them or whether they receive them at the beginning? What's the story of, are you getting the help you need for your patients and are they getting the help that they were promised?
2: As far as I can say, the, whether the government has approached us. So in, in our private OPDs, uh, at least for the drug-susceptible tuberculosis, we work in a public-private mix sort of uh, program where we diagnose the patient and we process the gene uh, samples for gene expert through a government lab. And uh, if he's, uh, he or she is, turns out to be drug-susceptible tuberculosis, They tend to get the medicine from the government supply. They come to meet us. We manage their uh, drug reactions, follow-ups, and all the supply of treatment is given by the government. So right now, at the start of lockdown, all these people uh, who are head of PPM from the municipal uh, committee side, they had approached us and they told do not worry all the patients who are on drug they will get the drug somehow or the other so there was an approach from the uh, government side apart from that there has been no communication to us the health minister had asked hospitals to start uh, uh, services which in a way they have done but tuberculosis again as I said is very low on the cards and I don't see them getting started anywhere in 2 or 3 weeks in future Apart from that, about the DVT or the direct uh, transfer of the money, I am actually not aware whether it ever happened. I have never asked any patient whether they have got that thing in their hands. And um, it's a matter of fact that I need to look into it now.
4: Okay. Uh, Thank you very much, Dr. Dr. Sarthak. Um, uh, Just a follow-up question to Nandita. Have you heard from any of the patients whether they're receiving these DBT direct benefit transfers from patient, from the government at this point?
1: Honestly, the DBT system... Even before COVID, it was not <laughs> reaching many people. It is, it's, it's the uptake has been very slow uh, because they because people are confused about the documents they need. Some ask for Aadhaar and some they there has been confusion about it. So it's it's been slow even before. Honestly, uh, if I am not sure about the condition after the lockdown, I, I will have to find this out because most of my queries right now have been mainly over injections and immediate uh, immediate DST and getting their test reports. No, no one has asked me, I think 500 rupees is not in their minds right now when they are more bothered about how am I going to get access to the medicines. So I will have to find out. But yes, I can tell you that before COVID itself, the, it was it was going quite slow. There were duplication issues that were coming up and all. And uh, it was not like even we helped certain people get their money when we spoke to the Mumbai uh, TV officer here. So it, it was going slow. I will have to find out, to be honest, after the lockdown.
4: Oh. We have heard from both Nandita and from Dr. Rastogi, the situation with TB on the ground. As a, you know, one of India's top researchers on tuberculosis, and in fact, a fierce advocate for TB in public health programs and a fierce advocate for patients, we need you to help our listeners understand what is going on. I think many people... Uh, you are right that TB affects the poor. Uh, Many of the people who will be listening to this podcast will have very little experience with TB. And we need you to kind of help them understand this overall context. But before that, before that, I have one small question for you. You know, we have heard a lot about BCG vaccination helping to prevent tuberculosis and the fact that Indians might be protected because of BCG vaccination. And I know that you were one of the people who put out the atlas of BCG vaccinations around the world long before COVID started. Should I run out and renew my BCG vaccination at this point?
0: Thanks, uh, Jishnu. So the BCG thing, uh, in my opinion, is a huge distraction right now from the real work that needs to be done to... uh, to address the uh, serious disruption in TB services that we heard from Nandita and uh, Sartak. BCG is an old vaccine. We give it to all kids born in India on the day they're born. It has some uh, protective efficacy against childhood tuberculosis, but by the time someone is an adolescent, BCG hardly has any effect on uh, TB. So if, if BCG really worked, India won't have millions of TB patients right? So even in the best of situation, BCG is a very weak vaccine against TB. Now, people in this pandemic have taken the atlas that my team had published, which gives you the vaccination policies and practices around the world. They've taken the COVID numbers from WHO or whichever database they can find, and they have put them on a spreadsheet and have started running regressions. Everybody and their brother now is publishing on COVID. People who don't know how to spell BCG, who have no idea what TB is, who have never seen COVID in their lives, are running regressions. I'm getting hundreds of emails from all sorts of random people who don't know the first thing about anything and are comfortable in running regressions. They run a regression a month ago. Lo and behold, they found a correlation that countries with, which give BCG at birth have low rates of COVID. These are called ecological studies, right? They are country-level aggregate data, which has got nothing to do with individual-level cause and effect. And yet, as we've seen in this epidemic, everybody and their brother comes up with correlation, right? If you torture the data long enough, the data will confess that you will find an association between BCG and COVID, MMR and COVID, face masks and COVID, Malaria drugs and COVID, blood group and COVID, it's one of those associations. At best, it's a signal that maybe it is worth doing additional research on. And I am happy that additional research and trials are happening, both human and animal experiments are currently happening. And the hypothesis there is that BCG has this non specific immune bo- boosting properties. And we know that is true. For example, BCG also protects against leprosy, which is not a shocker because M-tuberculosis and M-leprosy are both mycobacterial infection. There is also some evidence from experimentation that if you give BCG, it trains your immunity to deal with a virus challenge like a yellow fever virus that was experimentally given. So biologists will tell you that there is some legs to this theory, but in the midst of a crisis, should one bank one's hopes on this hypothesis or a correlation, or should one do the right thing and do what is required in terms of scaling up COVID testing, public health interventions, protecting the most vulnerable, doing all the right things that we should be doing. So I find this correlation-based media hype a huge distraction right now, and half my time and energy is spent trying to fight all sorts of people coming out of the woodwork who think they have solved the COVID problem, just go around giving BCG. And the other thing we must remember is that even if childhood BCG is given, how will it protect you from COVID when you're 65? That is such a stretch, biologically speaking, that it makes no sense whatsoever. But the trials that are starting now will give BCG to adults. And all we are hoping is that some non-specific immune stimulation will help them either not get COVID or not die of COVID or not get severe COVID. So that's the kind of trials that a few countries, including India, are about to start. That's fine. We'll just have to wait for the results to come out. But for now, we can't go bonkers over an early ecological correlation based on very seriously flawed studies. For example, the ecological studies are missing the fact that the epidemic is exploding in many countries right now. So the same analysis, if you repeat say a month from now, will come up with completely different conclusions because case numbers are climbing, climbing, climbing. The other thing that these studies are all missing is confounding. Confounding means countries that gave BCG at birth are mostly low and middle income countries and mostly have much younger populations than Italy or Spain or Europe or US or Canada and missing all those nuances and look at testing rates. I mean, how many people are getting tested for COVID in many low and middle income countries? There's hardly any testing going on. And how do you declare that there is no COVID in those countries? So there's huge holes in these studies, despite the fact that they are mere ecological studies. If we interpret them as a early signal that is worthy of research, I have absolutely no problem with that. And we should welcome additional research. But you cannot go to a national policy and act on these correlation studies with such weak evidence. That would be irresponsible and scientifically invalid. And the media should stop hyping this and let the trials that are happening to come out. And policymakers should just stay out of this at this point. WHO has put out a brief that BCG should not be used for COVID and that ecological studies are weak and inconclusive. We just need to wait for hard evidence.
3: Nandita, Sarthak, and Madhu have really laid out the context for us in terms of the impact COVID-19 has had on tuberculosis patients and given us much to think about. In the second part of this episode, we'll dive into what actions the government needs to take while controlling the spread of COVID-19 so we don't slide back on all the progress we've made with respect to TB over the last few decades. Stay tuned for the episode. And if you would like to learn more about all our COVID-19 related analysis, do follow us on Twitter at CPR underscore India or visit our COVID-19 website at www.cprindia.org slash COVID-19.